0: Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 97, and today we're going to talk about pacing. Everything you wanted to know about pacing, what it is, how to do it, how to do it well, what not to do, all the things. Um, This is something that's really unique to ultras, having someone who's not officially running the race jump in and run with you to help you achieve your goal. So if you're coming from the road running world um, and you're sort of like, what the hell is pacing? (laughs) I wanted to outline it here so that you understood what it was all about and sort of how to navigate the process of choosing a pacer. And if somebody asks you to be a pacer, what are the things that you should know up front ahead of time before you say yes or no? Okay. now I will say that you likely won't see this i.e. pacing, at the 50k distance. But as you start to move up into 50 mile, 100k, 100 milers, and beyond, pacing becomes an integral part of the strategy for many people. And I also want to say that um, just because your race might allow pacers doesn't mean it's mandatory to have one. Um, It is optional, Although you should check because maybe there is a race out there that I'm unaware of that it that it is actually mandatory for you to have a pacer for certain sections or for the whole thing. I don't know. I just want to put it out there that on the whole pacing is not mandatory. And I've seen many people do many, many long races, even Tahoe 200 without crew or pacers. Okay. So it is possible I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for your first time out unless you feel really confident in your abilities. I digress here. But if you're totally new to the concept of pacing, I wanted to come at this from two different perspectives. The perspective of the runner that is going to ask somebody to pace them and the person that is being asked to be a pacer and give you some general do's and don'ts around pacing in general. Okay. I guess it's maybe not so much do and don't. It's just some things that you might want to think about or questions to ask yourself and or your pacer ahead of time so that you are fully aware of what's going to go down during the race. All right. So from the runner's perspective, let's talk about this aspect of pacing. All right. As a runner, I would advise you to choose your pacers wisely. Okay? They need to be people that are up to the task physically, mentally, and emotionally, because this is a big responsibility. Um, I wouldn't choose someone that is not trustworthy or someone that has a tendency to flake out on you, someone who it's it's tough to get them to commit to it. If they're wishy-washy about it, or you know that they have a history of sort of ghosting you or like not doing what they say they're going to do, I would not choose this person. Okay. I actually know someone who had their crew person slash pacer lined up for a race and had them bail seven days ahead of the race. Like this runner had a good portion of their strategy based around having this person available and they didn't show. They told them a week in advance that they weren't going to be able to do it. That's pretty shitty. I mean, I know that life happens, but this person was really banking on having that extra set of hands, that help, that support system. So word to the wise, choose your pacers wisely, all right? It doesn't mean that they have to have paced anybody before, but they need to be somebody who is, you know, trustworthy, reliable, like shows up and does what they say they're going to do. From the runner's perspective, you should also make sure that you understand the rules about pacers for your particular race because no two races are the same and the rules around pacing for your race versus any other race might and can be different. Things that you want to look for are what mile are they allowed to join you at? So many races like for, let's just say a hundred mile race Lots of pacers aren't allowed until you hit the fifty-mile mark. This could also be at a specific time of day. This could also be uh, a specific aid station. So they might only be able to come in and out at specific aid stations. That was very true at Tahoe. If you listened to that episode, you might remember um, me talking about how there were only certain aid stations where I could pick up and/or drop off Frank and that that is a big part of your strategy you need to know that ahead of time a so that you know when your pacer's coming in and going out but also so that you don't get dq'd because had we violated those rules i could have been pulled from the race because of something he did or we did as a team <clears throat> so The other thing you might want to also think about is what do your pacers need to have or carry with them? Again, I'm going to probably refer to, um, Tahoe a lot here because it's obviously the most recent pacing and and large scale pacing experience. And I have something fun to tell you at the end of this episode, but when we were doing Tahoe, Frank was required to carry all the same stuff that I had. And if they had done a mandatory or, um, a spot check on his pack or, and, or my pack, if we didn't have the things that they required, I could have been DQ'd and that would have been the end of my race. So it's very important that you understand the race rules about pacers for your race. Okay. And like I said, not abiding by them could mean that you get DQ'd. Maybe you get a time penalty. There could be, you know, you could be um, removed from the race forever. Like there's lots of possible I don't want to make it sound too harsh, but harsh, but it can be in certain scenarios if you're not paying attention. So moving on as the runner, you should have a game plan for how you want to run the race and be able to articulate that to your pacer. So this person should not just be showing up to just run some miles with you and not have any idea what your goals are, what you want to manage for a pace, what you want to get for an overall time. Like you need to be thinking about these. It's sort of ironic because this, as I'm recording this episode right now, it's the first week of this current round of run your first 50 K. And one of the very first things that we do is talk about all this stuff, the goals, the objectives, all the things that you want to accomplish for your upcoming race. And it's required in order for you to know how you're going to hit the target, i.e. finish the race. And so if you don't go through this exercise of mapping out your goals, your objectives, your pace, even if it's just estimations right now, as you do it, how are you going to be able to get someone else on board with supporting you when they don't know what the goal is? They don't know what the objective is. Okay. So have a game plan for how you want to run the race and be able to articulate it to your pacer. I always suggest that you write it down And get clear on it yourself so that you can communicate it to them, your pacers, and anyone else that's going to be helping you so everyone's on the same page and knows exactly what to do and when. All right. So don't, that's sort of like another, I guess, like overall best practice is like everybody needs to be on the same page, everybody who's involved. The next thing I want to talk about is as a runner that um, you really need to communicate with your pacer constantly. All right? I'm going to tell you first and foremost, I've paced, I've raced. Pacers are not mind readers. Okay? They don't know what's going on unless you tell them. And oftentimes you can as a pacer, you can get get mixed messages and as a runner, I know personally I can give off mixed messages because I might be sort of battling through things and I might be trying to project an outward um, appearance that I'm, that everything is great when it's a total shit show on the inside. Okay. So you need to have this relationship with your pacer that you can honestly communicate with them so that they know how to help you. Cause really that's their job. They're there to keep an eye on you, keep you moving forward, help you. And they can't help if they don't know what's going on. So it doesn't do you any good to lie to them. (laughs) Okay. Um, and they're not mind readers. So just make sure that you communicate with them. Let them know how you're feeling. You know, just the facts. Don't over-dramatize it. Just tell them what's happening so that they can help you make good decisions and keep moving forwards. Which sort of rolls into the next thing that I want to talk about, which is as a runner, you really need to keep it positive. There are going to be ups and downs throughout your race. I think we've talked about that many, many times. And your pacer is actually going through them with you. It's not like they are removed from this experience. I mean, they're right there with you. They're experiencing the ups and the downs. And even if you get frustrated, annoyed, tired, hangry, just try to work through the issue and resolve it quickly and shift back to a positive mindset. Okay. We talk about this a lot and run your first 50 K just sort of like riding the wave, the ups and the downs. Um, and knowing that it's not always going to be the way it is now that it could get a little bit better. could get a little bit worse, but it's going to change. It's never going to just be stagnant in the way that it is at the moment when you might be feeling frustrated, tired, angry, annoyed, whatever that is. Okay. Always keep it positive because that will really help you and your pacer achieve the common goal that you talked, we talked about in the previous bullet point, right? Or two, two bullet points ago that whatever your goal is, your pace, your time, your finish, in order to do that, you got to keep it positive. Because if you keep trending negative, it's going to be much more difficult to get to where you want to go. And then the last one sort of in this bucket as the runner, from the runner's perspective, don't take it personally. Okay. And this sort of ties in with all the previous bullet points here that we just talked about, there's going to be stuff that happens during your race that frustrates you, um, for a variety of reasons. And the best thing that you can do is not take it personally. So maybe your, your pacer does something silly or they say something, or gosh, I don't even know the, the, the possibilities are endless, but you just don't need, don't take everything personally. Um, when you do that, It sort of lingers, right? And it can fester and it sort of sours the whole experience and will probably cause you to make more shitty decisions because your mind is just obsessed with the thing that happened um, and it won't let you focus on what you're supposed to be doing. So I want to sort of give you this example that uh, my husband, Adam, and I used during Ghost Train the last few years. And even we used it during Tahoe as well because he was my crew chief. We made an agreement with each other that during the hours of ghost train, like, you know, the day of like, even, you know, getting set up the day before all the way through the end of the race, that anything that we said to one another during this specific time, quote unquote, doesn't count. (laughs) Okay. So like, if I said something that was short or sharp, or I don't know, just like, you know, snippy, it didn't count right? We sort of just chalked it up to what was happening and we didn't take it personally. And we just sort of, you know, got up, dusted ourselves off, take a breath, let it go and move on. So I want to sort of offer that as a strategy that you could use either with your crew, people, your friends, your family, your pacer. During this time, you are personally as the runner going through a lot. There's ups and downs. There's everything that's happening And if you are taking things personally, if people are taking things personally, it's going to make the whole experience a little more difficult than it needs to be. So just keep that in mind. All right. Let's flip it around and talk about. this from the perspective of the pacer. Okay. So as the pacer, you should make sure that you fully understand what's expected of you. Understand the scope of what you're signing up for, especially if this is your first time pacing. So how far will you run? What time of day? What are you expected to carry on you uh, per the requirements of the race director, like we talked about before, and only say yes to pacing if you are a hundred percent committed to it. Don't say yes and back out like my friend with his friend that backed out seven days in advance. The runner is counting on you, so ask a ton of questions. Like if your runner gets annoyed because you're asking a ton of questions, you do not want to pace for that runner, okay? Because it probably means that they're not taking it seriously, and that the whole thing will probably be a shit show, to be perfectly frank with you, if the runner doesn't have their brain wrapped around what their plan is, what their goal is, how they uh, view you as being part of that bigger goal and strategy, and what will likely happen, and I've seen this happen before, is you'll show up on your designated day and time in anticipation of pacing, and then they'll be like, oh, no, like so-and-so is going to run. It's like this other person. Like, oh, no, just so-and-so is going to run. Or, oh, no, um, you missed them. <laughs> like, the pacer, like the runner is already gone, right? So you have to understand what's expected, the scope of the project, so to speak, all the logistics. And don't say yes if you're on the fence. Um, you need to be fully committed to it. The next thing you need to remember as the pacer is that you should always be prepared. Okay. You also need to train accordingly. You need to be physically prepared for this race. One of the most important things I can tell you, and one of the biggest, I guess, fears I have about people pacing for other people is that the pacer becomes the liability to the runner and the race. Don't be that person, okay? Please, please, please train accordingly. Be physically prepared for the race. Understand what is required of you so that you can go and do the job that you've been tasked with, that you've agreed to without becoming a liability for anybody else. Okay. Cause the last thing you want to do is hold your runner back or, you know, incur an injury. I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I mean, do everything in your power not to show up underprepared. Okay. Know the course, carry the required stuff per the race rules, First aid, have your cell phone charge. Like you gotta think about yourself as like the um oh gosh, what's the word I want? Like you're the you're you're the support staff, like you are the emergency quote unquote personnel. I can't think of the word I want right now, but like you're the person that needs to be you're the Boy Scout. That's sort of what I wanted, right? Like Boy Scouts are prepared for everything. Like you wanna be that person, okay? have the appropriate gear, shoes, food, fluids, all the things. All right. I will tell you, um, I keep, I'm going to tell you this and like, I don't want to give it away, (laughs) but there was an experience at Tahoe. And I can't remember if we talked about this in the Tahoe episode where my Franker, my Franker pace, my Pacer Frank. (laughs) Oh, it's one of those days you guys we're not going to edit that out. We're going to leave that in just for shits and giggles. My pacer, Frank, had, uh, was required to carry a first aid kit just like I was. And we happened upon this woman who had really tweaked her knee. And Frank pulls out this first aid kit and is able to help this woman complete her race like gave her an ace bandage, taped it for her. He was like jack of all trades. He, it was amazing. Right. And he did it quickly and efficiently. And we were able to help that woman. And we didn't lose more than maybe five minutes worth of time on our personal strategy. Okay. So always be prepared. Also, you don't want to necessarily rely on your runner to have or do stuff for you. Like you're the pacer. Don't Don't just assume that the runner has it covered because I can guarantee you they probably don't. And depending on at what point you join them in the race, they might be mentally checked out and have abdicated this responsibility to you, whether they have said it or not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I would rather you have extra stuff and not need it than not have it and desperately need it. Okay. This woman that I'm talking about in the race, she had nothing for first aid. Like she was trying to jerry-rig a jacket, (laughs) right? To sort of brace her knee. And here comes Frank. He rolls right up with this ace bandage and just like fixes her up. And then we're off, right? It was like a superpower. Okay. The next thing I want you to, to think about as the pacer is that this is not your race. You need to be following your runner's game plan and not your own agenda. So you can make suggestions when and if your runner doesn't have a plan or their, their original plan doesn't work, but just understand that it's their decision. Um, although unless you've decided ahead of time that they, the runner are going to abdicate decision-making responsibilities to you at a certain point, then that's also a viable strategy. Okay. That was, that was the strategy that Frank and I used at Tahoe once I was just sleep running (laughs) And I wasn't capable of making those decisions. I abdicated responsibility for him for directions on how to get from one aid station to another. And I basically just locked on to the back of his shoes and ran following him. Okay. But your pacer needs to agree to that ahead of time. Okay. And you don't want, like, you want to make sure that that person is okay with that because if you give them that job on the fly and they're someone who's directionally challenged, like that's Bad. Okay. Like that could be a problem. So, again, understanding your pacer skill set. This is sort of uh, a tangent off of this point. But, you know, pacer, remember this isn't your race, but runner also you need to have that plan ahead of time and decide who's going to do what under certain circumstances, because you could get to this place. Like I was at Tahoe with Frank, where I was just too tired and couldn't think straight. And he knew that I wasn't able to make solid decisions and he had to take over the role. Okay. That actually leads me into the next um, point here, which is as the pacer, Know ahead of time that you are going to wear many, many, many different hats. I did sort of a quick, made a quick list here of some of the things, sort of thinking back to the roles that I have served in the past for pacing people and that uh, my pacers have served for me. The first and foremost is pacer, right? Coaxing your runner to go faster or slower, depending on the goals and what they're doing in that moment, right? Because it is possible that your runner is going way too fast and they're just going to, you know, theoretically blow themselves up by going too fast, um, at a certain point during the race. Okay. The next one would be a motivational speaker, right? When your runner is having a a low point, you know, getting them jazzed up to keep going. So you could be a pacer, you could be a motivational speaker. You could also be a therapist, just listening without judgment to whatever the runner needs or wants to say, whatever they need to get off their chest, right? You could sort of just lend an ear and let them vent while they're running, which is like a good part of when you're deep into the weeds of ultra running and you just got to get stuff off your chest. Okay. Uh, the next one would be sort of the voice of reason and or the disher outer of tough love. (laughs) This is one of my favorite roles as a pacer. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is sort of, this is actually my favorite role as a coach as well. Like voice of reason, tough love. Here we go. We're doing this thing. Um, so this is when you as the pacer need to help the runner get their shit together and keep going. Right. Your pacer might, uh, your runner might be whining. They might be having, throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum. They might just be sad or down and they just need a little kick in the pants with some love to get them to a place where they can, you know, gather themselves up and keep going. Another role might be storyteller when your runner is just out of things to say, and they actually need you to tell them a story or whatever to keep their mind off of what's going on. So it's like storyteller slash distraction. Caregiver is another role, helping to attend to the runner's needs and even maybe anticipating their needs. Uh, and this sort of comes if you've, if you've done a lot of ultras yourself, you can sort of anticipate what's going to happen. Um but just anticipating like okay they haven't eaten in a while they haven't had anything to drink in a while their feet are really starting to bother them so at the next aid station we're going to we're going to check this out um just you know sort of the the caregiving tasks that need to happen in order for your body to keep moving and then of course navigator we talked about that a second ago right helping to keep your runner from going off course so don't go into this thinking um that you're going to go in and get your miles, right? Like you're going into this as a pacer. You're going to wear many different hats. And one of those hats is not today is my long run day. Okay. Like you need to be focused on your runner and not yourself. Okay. So the hat that you are not wearing is a self-serving one. It's not about you. I will also just say though, that the caveat to this is that you don't, Go into this focusing solely on your runner to the point where you yourself end up not eating, not drinking, not taking care of your feet, and then become a liability. We, you know, that we talked about that in a previous bullet point. So you will wear the caregiver hat for yourself as well. And that is really important because like I said, you don't want to be a liability. So don't take care of your runner and ignore yourself altogether. The next thing you should know as a runner is kind of what we talked about before, but I'd want to, it bears repeating. There will be ups and downs, especially if you join your runner in the late stages of a race, you could actually join on a high or you could join on a low. Okay. So just be prepared that when you show up and and meet up with your pace, your runner, they may be in a good mood. They may be in a totally shitty mood. So just know ahead of time. And you might be able to glean some insider information from their crew chief or the the previous pacer if if that existed, um, you know, via text or phone call or something so that you can actually anticipate what you're rolling into and be prepared for it. Like have some food, have the thing that that person needs, like have a joke prepared if that's something you know that they would get a kick out of like, wear something funny. I don't know. I'm just throwing out different things here that that can potentially shift the mood of the runner and help get them back on track. Okay. So, you know, they could be tired, cranky over it. And your job is to keep them moving forward in whatever manner necessary to help them get to their goal. Sort of what you guys predetermined was going to be the strategy, sort of help them get back on track. The next thing as a pacer that you should know and remember is that you need to communicate with your runner consistently and in a reassuring manner, okay? I call this taking their temperature and do this time from time to see how things are going for them, okay? But also don't pester them with needless questions incessantly. <laughs> There's nothing that would annoy me more than just like, how are you doing? How? And also don't ask your, your runner how they're doing, Okay, because that is a horrible question. You will never get an accurate uh, answer. Don't ask them that. You need to be sort of like a sociologist and observe them, observe what they're saying, what their moods are, and and be able to glean some of this without actually asking the question, how are you doing? Because you'll get a loaded answer 10 times out of 10. (laughs) Okay, your runner might outwardly appear one way. And inwardly feel a completely different way. And I've done this myself. Outwardly, I am always trying to be positive. Everything's great. Everything's good. No issues here. Um, But inwardly, I'm sort of going through this laundry list of things like my knee, my feet, my stomach, my whatever, right? So you really do need to have this relationship with your pacer for them to say, okay, what are you thinking about? You know, what are your top three concerns right now? And like hear them out and then try to help them come up with a plan for that. And this is where you speaking to them in a calm and reassuring manner will help. If you get jacked up, they're going to get jacked up. Okay. Don't lie to them. Just state the facts. Keep it positive. Lay out the game plan for getting through it. Okay. Don't over-dramatize things. Um, Don't pile on just the facts, ma'am. Right, just the facts, sir, and keep it moving. All right. We said this before, but I always just want to remind you keep it positive. There's going to be ups and downs. Your runner is likely going to get frustrated, annoyed, tired, hangry. Try to work through the issue in that calm and reassuring manner, resolve it, and shift back to a positive mindset. And last but not least, from a pacer's perspective, don't take it personally. We talked about this from the runner's perspective, but a lot of these go both ways. So I wanted to repeat them in both sections to just reassure you that It's a two-way street and it works best that way when it is a two-way street. Okay. So your runner is most likely, uh, not angry with you. So if something happens and it would be something that you are inclined to take personally sort of outside the context of an ultra race pacing scenario, your runner isn't angry with you. It's just, they're in a tough spot. You're the closest target. Sorry. You know, that is the way it is, but don't take it personally take a deep breath, try to resolve it if possible. Like you might have to sort of sift through what they've said to I was trying to think of a, an example that I could use here, but I don't have one on the on the fly where like they'll say something and it's a cover for what they're really feeling. Um I think you guys get the the point of what I'm trying to say, but see if you could investigate a little bit without overly poking or prodding the runner. And sometimes they might just need to say something, get it off their chest and move on. So that is also a possibility as well. Okay. So that is sort of the things that you should know from both perspectives. I want to hit on just a couple best practices, most of which we've actually talked about in the, in the, in the last few minutes here, but I want to really just reiterate and hammer these things home. So best practice, so to speak, number one is, meet ahead of time to talk about the game plan and expectations. You and all of your pacers together would be great, but if you can't do that, um, which I guess in these days, I don't know why you couldn't do that over zoom, but if you want to meet ahead of time, not if you want to, you should meet ahead of time and talk about the game plan, whether that's one-on-one with your pacers or, uh, as a group, don't expect that they can read your mind, um, especially during a race, and lay out your expectations for when and where they'll need to meet you, how far they're going to run, what pace you expect or want to go at, what you want their help with right? Like staying on pace, reminders to eat and drink or whatever. Like you can get pretty granular. You can give your pacer a specific job. Like I told you, like at one point, Frank's job was just to get me from one aid station to the other, to the other. And I was just going to lock onto his feet and sleep run. Okay. Give them a job. Oftentimes that really helps them do the whole thing better because then they're not like, Oh, what do you want me to do? Like, hands up, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm here. Like, give them a job. And then, if they're smart and savvy and in tune, they will pick up along the way that there are other jobs that they can and should do in order to help you keep moving forwards. The next thing, from a best practices standpoint, is have a backup plan. I can't reiterate this enough. Have a backup pacer or a plan to be able to run without them should they flake or something goes awry logistically and they're not able to be with you, right? Sometimes you are going to run faster and your pacer is like, say you plan to meet your pacer based on your estimated pace at someplace at noon and you get there an hour ahead of time, Right maybe you don't have cell phone service to be able to communicate to that person. Like you need to have a backup plan for that. So the backup plan might be, okay, now I have to get myself to the next aid station where that pacer can come and get me. And I also need to maybe find some cell phone service to communicate to my crew chief and or that pacer. I'm way ahead. Here's where I am. I'll meet you here. Right? So just have a backup plan go through some different possible permutations because when you do that, you'll be better prepared for anything and everything that can happen and anything and everything that could throw you off your game, so to speak, as a runner while you're trying to achieve this goal. the next best best practice, that's a tongue twister, is I would highly recommend that you have a crew chief. So I have told you my husband has been my crew chief for a number of races. And this is the person that is responsible for coordinating all your shit. (laughs) It's like the basic overview of a pacer. They coordinate all the shit. They they coordinate your pacers, your communication. They anticipate you coming in and out of aid stations. If it's a, a race where they can sort of chase you or you're going to pass by them a few times, they can coordinate your food and, and restocking your pack and refilling your bladder. And, you know, just all the little things as a runner that you don't necessarily want to expend energy doing when your energy and your brain power is best spent on keeping yourself going, right? Managing your mind, taking care of the little body things like food and fluids and hot spots and clothing. Like those are the things that are very important that your crew chief can sort of help and remind you with. But having them available to sort of do the tasks, like the coordination, is going to be infinitely helpful so that you don't have to do it. And then maybe down the line, once you've run a few ultras, you can do that for yourself because you sort of intuitively know what's going to happen when, and you've gotten into a routine and a system so that you're very efficient doing it for yourself and you don't need someone else to do it. But, you know, like to each his own. Some races is great to have a crew chief. Some races you might just want to do by yourself. And then the last one I want to uh, tell you is that for longer races, you should for sure try and have more than one pacer. Don't burn your pacer out, okay? Because they're human too. They're not like this robot. Like they they need to have downtime. They need to rest and recuperate. And I'm really talking about like 100 milers or 200 milers. Um, I think it's it's probably a good time to tell you the secret that I didn't want to tell you at the beginning of the episode, which is next week, you're going to hear a killer interview that I did with my pacer for the Tahoe 200, Frank. I've talked about Frank a lot. You've heard Frank's voice on some voice memos in the Tahoe 200 recap episode. So I pulled Frank onto Zoom and we like intended to just sort of like chit chat for an hour. It turned into a two-hour epic conversation, sort of going through step-by-step Tahoe and talking about it from a runner and a pacer perspective, okay? So if you're interested in more of the, like, nitty-gritty behind-the-scenes stuff about pacing and specifically for Tahoe 200, then make sure you're subscribed to the show. I don't know why you wouldn't be already, but i just like to throw that in there so that you don't miss this next coming episode, okay? All right, you guys. So I hope that was helpful. Um, you know, if you are thinking about getting a pacer or needing a pacer for your upcoming race, and, or if somebody asked you to pace for them, give this a listen, take some notes, you know, really go through the process of trying to figure out what needs to happen when all the logistics goals, what you feel like you're comfortable doing. And as I just want to also throw this out there as the pacer, If somebody reaches out to you and says, will you pace me for this thing? You really have full autonomy to say, well, first ask all the questions that we talked about here, sort of now that you understand the scope of the work, but you also have the right to say, no, I don't think I'm the best fit for you. Like you could volunteer maybe to be their crew chief or you know, help along the way, but if you don't feel like you're up for pacing, then it's actually incumbent upon you to say no. Because worst-case scenario, you become a liability to the that runner and or the race and yourself, okay? So, keep that in mind, all right? Um the stuff that we've talked about here, is sort of 2.0, right? A lot of my emphasis with this podcast and what I share here is geared towards, well, two things specifically, like sharing my experiences, my running journey, the things that I have done um, in, help, in hopes that it will help you. But also my goal is to obviously get more women into the sport of ultra running. And first and foremost, well, the first step in that process is doing your first 50K. So doing your first ultra. This is sort of 2.0. Okay. Like I said at the very beginning, you most likely won't find pacers at a 50K. There probably is one out there that I don't know about and that's fine. There's always exceptions to the rule, but this is really going to be something that should you do your first 50 K and you love it, which I really know that you will, um, especially if you train for it the right way and you want to go on to doing longer races, then you really need to start thinking about this 2.0 stuff. But I want to emphasize that you guys master the basics first, right? Obviously a lot of times basics are overlooked for the flashier, you know, sexier, social media worthy kind of stuff, but you only really get good at the 2.0 stuff by mastering the basics, doing the fundamentals of good running. Okay. I've got some resources to help you do this. I've mentioned these a million times, but I will never not mention them because they are so important and they've been the foundations and the fundamentals for me to get me to where I've gone, right? Like going from, I don't know if I can run this 50K to, I just ran 205.5 miles, but who's counting, right? So the first one is a daily shakedown. You guys have seen me and heard me talk about this. This is a daily movement practice focused on helping you to move your body in a myriad of different ways, using all your joints and muscles to their greatest capacity so that you use it and don't lose it. You can get that by going to my website. It's a free download. It's a video. Do it daily. <laughs> do it every damn day. Without exceptions, I guarantee you if you do it daily, it will it'll will be life-changing. Okay? Okay just (laughs) life-changing. Okay. So you'll go to www.megan-gould.com. And at the top, it'll say daily shakedown. Just click there. It's a free video. Just do it. Just, just now I'm stealing Nike's tagline, but seriously (laughs) do it every single day. All right. It takes like no time at all, you guys. Okay. And actually I'm working on a little something for off season training where we take this daily shakedown idea and we break it down and we expand it and we make it easier and we make it epic. All right. So keep your ears, ears peeled for that. The next is to get your training plan squared away. And I released the first 10 weeks of my signature 50 K training plan. You can get that, uh, also by going to my website, megan-cool.com forward slash the number 10 week plan. Okay, that's also free. You can get that. You can plug that in right away. It basically is going to lay out the way that I like to run and the way that it's the template for how I build the custom training plans that I give to every runner that participates and run your first 50K. So this is a template and I use the word template specifically because I coach you in that program on how to customize it for you. But I think that this and I have proven that this template is a really good starting point for anyone who wants to start getting into ultras. All right. So you can get that, plug that in and start using that. Those are both totally free and they're an excellent place to start if you're sort of dipping your toe into the ultra world and, or You've sort of been in the ultra world for a little bit and haven't gotten the results that you want. Maybe you have tried a couple 50Ks, you've DNF'd, you're not sure what's going on, you can't figure it out. Start practicing your daily shakedown. Start wrapping your brain around a training plan. Okay. Um, I also have a free Facebook group for women. It's called Run Your First 50K very aptly named group. You can join that. I do free monthly live calls on specific topics related to ultras, take questions, give out some, uh, I, I free coach live one-on-one, um, in October, our live call is going to be tips for training injury free. So ladies, if you are interested, Just hop on Facebook, search for Run Your First 50K at the top, look under groups, request to join, and I will see you in there. Uh, Be prepared once you get in there. I do like a weekly post if you are a new member asking you to share some information about yourself, who you are, why you're here, and all that jazz. so that Because it's really like a very cool community of a couple hundred women right now. It's growing, but a couple hundred women that are here for the specific reason of learning everything that they can get um, all the knowledge in order to run their first or their farthest race. Lots of women come in because they're trying to train for their first 50 K and then they stay once they've done it so that they can turn around and be an example of what's possible for other women, as well as share their experiences, um, and support and encourage everybody else. So if that's your jam, if that's where you want to spend more time, if that's the type of community that you're looking for, it exists. It is on Facebook. It is in that group. Um, And last but not least, if you've done all that stuff and you sort of want to take it to the next level, you can apply for the next round, ladies, ladies only, uh, of run your first 50K. Because remember, my whole mission is to get 10,000 women to run their first 50K over the course of the next five years, right? By the time five years from a couple months ago. We want to have 10,000 women have used either everything that I've shared in the podcast from the free Facebook group and or from coaching, either group coaching or or one-on-one coaching with me to have run their first 50K. So the current round, the one that's happening right now is closed. It's sold out. I'm super pumped. We have a group of amazing women in that group. Um, so you can apply for the next round that's going to take place in January. So this one, the sold out one is the last one for 2022. January of 2023 will be the next round and it's going to be epic. I'm making some changes to the thing. It's going to be as my coach would say, chef's kiss. Um, uh, so you'll go to runyourfirst50k.com for more information and to submit your application. Once you apply, I will email you some some sort of follow-up questions to just check and see that you're a good fit for the program. And then uh, we won't start until January, but you'll want to secure your spot ahead of time because it's going to get Crazy. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, and I'm super pumped about it. I'll share some more about what's gonna happen in the coming weeks and months. All right. So that's it, you guys. That's pacing 101. If you have comments or questions, uh if you want to sort of talk about this more in depth, ladies, join the run your first 50k Facebook group and we can do maybe a whole other live monthly coaching call all on pacing. That's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat, and I will see you all soon.